American Nurse Heroes was produced during the COVID-19 pandemic and is available to watch on demand at myamericannurse.com and americannurseheroes.com. This captivating documentary about nurses provides a unique viewpoint on the struggles and hardships during the pandemic that shook the world. Over the course of the last year, healthcare professionals across the country have been tested like never before. Time and time again, they have risen to the occasion and answered the call to care for all of those in their charge, in spite of what oftentimes may have seemed like insurmountable challenges. From the early days of the pandemic, nurses put their lives at risk and pushed through both physical and mental exhaustion day after day in order to make sure that our loved ones had the best possible care in their greatest time of need. Their actions have been nothing short of heroic. Stories from across the country have flooded in about incredible feats of bravery, kindness, innovation, and above all else, dedication. Now, we celebrate some of those stories and honor those who continue to keep the fight going in order to make sure that our tomorrow is healthier than our today. This is American Nurse Heroes. Heroes, interview with Fidel, interview with Tara Khan, interview with Kathleen Blaney, interview with Shumi, take one. He's the nurse a hero. Uh, um, I, that's, I think. That's a great question that I've really never thought about. Uh, I've lived in New York for about five and a half years now. I love the city. I love everything there is to do. I love the people. I love how there's never any time to be bored if you don't want to be bored. It feels like very quickly New York became the global epicenter of the pandemic. There were nine days where there were over 500 deaths a day. It was obviously terrible. It was April of 2020. I was walking across Manhattan and stopped in Times Square, and it was completely empty. No people, no cars. It was very eerie in some ways because the billboards are still up, the lights are still flashing, but it was, it was near silent in a way that I didn't think New York or Times Square was capable of being wanting to see it get back to where it was pre-COVID is part of why I have felt like it's important to stay this past year. I studied nursing and political science, and I think public health kind of naturally came at the intersection of those two fields. I'm currently the Director of Disease Control Emergency Preparedness here at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. One thing that's really exciting about nursing is that you can be a nurse in so many different spheres. I'm a nurse who works at the health department. My job is not giving or performing direct clinical care, but working with people to provide care at the community level. 
in New York City, the health department is responsible for the well-being of an entire community, and that community is 8.6 million people. How do you maintain um, all of those other aspects of care in light of a pandemic? We are partnering with all the hospital systems, with FDNY, with the police department, with EMS to coordinate all of these various aspects of care to help them effectively manage COVID and provide the tools to be able to respond. Everything we are learning about the virus and understanding the impact on the various aspects of the community was happening in real time. You didn't have the luxury of taking too much time to think rather than react. We were focused a lot on what ICU capacity was like, what emergency room capacity was like, what are the staffing ratios at these hospitals and at these other care sites? How do I identify when a hospital system has gotten to a critical point? How can we bring out volunteers? How do we maximize or optimize the use of PPE? Are there enough masks and gowns? How can we distribute ventilators in a way that makes sense and promotes equity? How do you find a way to support the places that need the most support at that time? New York had never faced a situation where the healthcare system was under so much immense stress. Seeing people volunteer and then also seeing people come out of retirement to volunteer was a really hopeful thing in the context of something that was profoundly unhopeful. Everyone felt like they needed to do everything they could do at any time they could do it and for as long as they could do it in order to make it through. If that meant working 130 hour weeks for weeks at a time, it's just what we need to do to take care of one another. I remember one time I had a young lady who was on a ventilator and she was actively dying and she had no voice. She couldn't speak to anyone and I was it. Nobody else could be in the room. You're actively dying. You're hoping somebody will just hear. And her mom, her family were standing outside in their COVID gear, just hoping for a moment to be with her. And all I could think of was put a phone to her ear. I had this one day and I had this one patient who his wife phoned, wanted to talk to me and she wanted to set up a, a Zoom call. She wanted to speak with him. I set up the Zoom call, I went in the room, I held the iPad and I let them have their little conversation and updated her and, you know, she got to talk to him. He died probably a week later and I realised that the most important thing that I did that day was to recognise that I needed to set up that Zoom call and that that man's wife got to speak to him one last time. My name is Shumi Mazzucano. I'm an ICU nurse at Doylestown Health. I'm a Drexel University alum and I did work my way up into intensive care there in their cardiac critical care, where I worked for 12 years with some amazing nurses and clinicians. I love being a nurse because I just like helping people. I like being uh, at the bedside. I like being able to impact somebody's health or even give somebody a dignified death. 
and being there for the family members. If there's a job, you know you're capable of it. You do what a reasonable, prudent nurse would do. Do no harm. Do what's best for the patient. My role as a nurse this past year is unlike anything I ever imagined I would have to do. Never have I ever in my nursing career ever seen anything like this. You could look outside and drive past the hospital and it looked peaceful. It didn't look too busy. You didn't see visitors. You didn't see a whole bunch of people in and out of the hospital, walking through the main lobby, even walking through the hallways. It was so eerie. Although the parking lot looked empty, I could assure you, it was like an absolute war zone in our unit. Somebody was always moving. It was loud. We were literally hollering through the glass door to tell the patients, don't do that, sit down, sit down, put your oxygen back on. Like, because they were hypoxic, they didn't know what they were doing. It was almost like putting out a fire all the time. You were on alert. Do you hear a pump? Is that their sedation? Is that their paralytic? Is that their antibiotic? Or, you know, we can't let the fluids run dry. We can't let the, the vasopressors run dry because their life depended on it. We were nonstop. Our role was changing and things that we did, sometimes daily and even sometimes hourly. We all went above and beyond our nursing duty. We did a lot of extra shifts. We have risen to the challenge. We continue to rise to the challenge. And from that, I learned just how resilient nurses are. The huge difference for me in caring for patients with COVID-19 was limiting family members and visitors for their safety. We are the bridge to the outside world for our patients who are so isolated. FaceTime became second nature. Zoom became second nature. We had to teach patients and their families how to stay connected. It was horrible not having the family members be there when their loved ones couldn't take their last breath. Even just having the skin-to-skin contact of a husband holding their wife's hand or siblings. They had nobody. We were it. I didn't know how much time my first COVID patient had. How was she going to see her daughter? How was the daughter going to see her mother? How were they going to say their final goodbyes? well, you know what, I'm going to use my cell phone because that's all that I had at that time. So I gave him my cell phone number. We connected by FaceTime. You're speaking behind oxygen flowing, like high-flowing masks and the equipment and the, the dinging, and it's just so loud. I had my phone as close as I can to the patient so she can hear her daughter's voice. I wanted to make sure that they had that moment that they had that opportunity. Being a part of that, that very private, intimate moment was, I'm sorry. That was the day that I realized 
how my role in as a nurse on the front lines was going to change pretty much forever because I was the go-between the daughter and the mother. As terrible as it was, I was very grateful that I was in a position to to be useful. I just feel as though you can't quit. You can't give up on anybody. You have to keep going. You're a regular person and you're using everything within your scope. You're using everything on your utility belt to help the people that you're around. We're always going to be here doing caring for patients, responding to disasters and, and illness and all of those things. Like, we're already doing it. We'll continue to do it. As a nurse, we never stop learning. The science changes constantly, procedures change constantly. And I'm so glad that that's part of our DNA of being a nurse, because look what we had to pivot to because of COVID. Being able to keep on top of the ever-changing information to keep people safe, to keep children safe, to be able to reopen schools safely, to me has been really the number one most important ability that school nurses have had. Changes are occurring daily and on a regular basis, and the nurses are the ones in the forefront to be able to make that happen so that we can continue to provide quality of care for everyone. Everybody has seen one of these, right? You know what this is, right? Incentive spirometer. But what sometimes is challenging is how to teach the patient to use it properly. You put your uh, mouth around it, right? And you tell the patient to inhale, right? Inhale. 10 times every hour while awake. So you're going to coach them. My name is Fidel Lim. I am a clinical associate professor at New York University, Rory Myers College of Nursing in New York City. I have been a nursing faculty for the last 25 years. I finished my nursing degree at the age of 19. I was very young. I've been a nurse, man and boy. I'm from the Philippines. In the mid-80s, American hospitals, they sent their representatives to recruit nurses and supply the uh, shortage of uh, nurses uh, in the U.S. as a result of the AIDS pandemic. And at the age of 22, I found myself in JFK. I've been in the United States for 31 years. This is my final destination. The lockdown started in March 2020. Like the rest of the world, I stayed at home. I quarantined. We canceled all clinicals. And I was teaching online. Clinical work is such a wonderful opportunity for that interchange of life. And the biggest loss for me is not being able to see students face to face. The training of nurses is really geared towards giving them the necessary intellectual, psychosocial, emotional intelligence to be able to deal with what's coming to them. The challenge is we know there's high stakes work waiting for our new grads, 
but you have curriculum, you revise them, it takes a while, you have a lot of meetings. This one, we had to do it in such a speed, never been seen in healthcare, uh, ever. We were all rushing to bring 250 students into a remote environment and provide them the same experience. And that required enormous amount of programming and coordination and the skills to be able to actually deliver that. I have also some of these um, uh, equipment. This is a laryngoscope. So when I talk about mechanical ventilation in COVID uh, management of somebody who is not able to breathe, you would uh, mention uh, laryngoscope. Yes, they might have heard of it, but they haven't actually seen one because it's not common. My other role as a nurse educator is to teach the nurses how to become COVID nurses. I teach topics like diabetes, stroke, pneumonia, heart failure. When COVID hits, everything was connected to COVID. Teaching the heart was no longer just teaching about the heart. I have also to teach the lung. Diabetes is no longer just diabetes in the pandemic. Diabetes is deadlier in the pandemic. You have to teach it a certain way so that they are well prepared when the time comes when they transition into the RN role. So I was teaching ECG interpretation, mechanical ventilation, ARDS, blood gases, that sort of thing. So COVID has made every nurse an ICU nurse. And that's an enormous hurdle to jump into, but we're giving them the foundation, the intellectual tools to know what you need to know, where to find information, and where to get help, to be able to accelerate that process the moment they start working. The skill set that I have, the knowledge that I have, the lived experience that I have is enormous. As a nursing faculty, I have that wonderful opportunity to transfer what I have learned to the next generation. Connectivity matters in saving lives. FirstNet is the nationwide, standalone, broadband, wireless platform dedicated solely to public safety. FirstNet was born out of the devastation of 9-11. What we saw during that catastrophic event was a communications infrastructure that was overburdened by response. We learned a lot back then. Today, our first responders and hospital staff can rely on FirstNet so they don't have to compete for bandwidth during emergencies. Only FirstNet subscribers get always on priority. And for first responders, preemption with monitored 24-7 by a security operations center. FirstNet connects all emergency response teams and enables them to transmit high-speed data, location information, images, and video with what we call interoperability. That is the ability for law enforcement, EMS, dispatch, to talk at the same time in real time on the same network with our healthcare workers that are receiving those patients from the field back into the trauma center. It saves lives because we're better able to respond to those patient needs because we know what's coming before they ever get there. In a continually changing and complex world, the need for seamless communication is more vital than ever. 
Our healthcare heroes need to have innovative tools to do their jobs better and save more lives. And we really are designing plans and programs to support them and help be a solution to the problem in the long term. FirstNet is proud to sponsor American Nurse Heroes. Our clinic stayed open. We saw patients. We were there for them. If they needed a COVID test, I ran out of the building and went and did their COVID test. And now we're giving vaccines. We were able to have our students get ready to participate in vaccination clinics. And that was a game changer in terms of people's outlook. I mean, it was just such a lift and just brought such joy to know that bringing protection to the people of our community, not just our patients and coworkers, but really be able to make that difference was uh, you know, just very, very positive. This is our registration station. So you need to have first name, last name, date of birth, and answer a series of screening questions. Yes. And then right over here, we have our vaccination stations and we keep all four pretty busy. Great. And then you move right over here and we have nurses manning our observation area. And people are typically observed for 15 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. Depending on health condition. I remember being in a meeting when they were sharing, you know, preliminary data and what was happening with some of the vaccine trials and just like weeping, <laughs> uh, thinking about this is it, you know, where we're, there's finally a light at the end of the tunnel. To date, there have been over 925,000 cases in New York City, but there have also been over 6 million vaccines administered, which is very hopeful. I'm heartbroken for people for whom this was not an option, but just so grateful and proud to be at this point where we are able to offer a vaccine. Going from that to a very relatively low case count the following summer and to a point where we could start contact tracing and now again to the point where there are vaccines, we only were able to get that far because New Yorkers did what they needed to do to stay home and keep each other safe. It's coordination that's had to happen at a scale we haven't seen before because you're talking about not only these various city agencies that needed to partner and communicate effectively, but also how we coordinated with the state, how we coordinate with the federal government, how we understood our place and our allocation for supplies and, and how we shared those with the different needs of the city. That required a tremendous amount of partnership, which you know is challenging, but also it's made us better integrated as a city um, and hopefully as a state and as a community. The reason so many of us are still doing this is because we care about the city, we care about each other, and we care about the work. Um, and that's going to carry on in a number of different ways post-pandemic. Hi, it's Tarek. My name is Tarek Khan, T-A-R-I-K. Hi, uh, this is Tarek Khan. Oh, hi, this is Tarek, a nurse practitioner. Hey, it's Tarek. This is Tarek Khan, nurse practitioner. Um, I work at Abbotsford Falls Health Center. Hi, how are you? Are you still in need of the COVID vaccine? Because if you want, I could come actually to your house and when we have an extra shot, I could bring you uh, a, a vaccine for you and your husband. What do you think the latest would be um, that I might be able to come out? Up to 9 p.m.? Okay. That's great. I have a patient in South Philadelphia that I'm going to be vaccinating at 7.30, and then I'm going to be coming to you. So with about 8.45, would that be okay? 
Perfect. Oh, good. All right, looking forward to seeing you then. Okay, bye-bye. Tara Khan, family nurse practitioner. I work at a federally qualified health center, which is basically a community health clinic. We're in North slash Northwest Philadelphia, and I see patients of all ages, all income levels. I work Monday and Friday at the health center. Tuesdays and Saturdays, I'm at the vaccine clinic. And then on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday, I'm a PhD student. I was a production assistant on The Tonight Show, and I worked in LA for a couple of years, and I really missed Philly, and I wanted to come back home. And my mom actually was like, you should become a nurse. I'm a people person, and I love to spend time with people. So nursing really gave me that outlet to spend quality one-on-one -on -one time with patients. Nursing attracts a lot of people who are patient advocates that really care about the well-being of the patient that goes beyond what your actual job description is. And I think for me, it was the best decision I ever made was to become a nurse because I think helping my community and helping the world is very much aligned with who I am. The call for nurses is our original pledge that we took to look after the welfare of our patients. And that is what nurses have done historically, whether it be 9-11, whether it be World War II, whether it be the great flu pandemic, whether it be COVID-19 pandemic. It has been just horrific to see the destruction that this pandemic has caused. It was taking out hundreds of thousands of Americans and it was taking out healthcare providers and the one thing we needed was the vaccine. We have 11 doses of the vaccine. Once this is open, you have to give all 11 doses in a day. We cannot be wasting doses. We have to make sure that every dose that we have, we utilize because we barely have enough in some communities to reach the populations that need it. Across the US, there's about 2 million homebound individuals that need access to the vaccine. Maybe it's a physical disability, maybe it's a cognitive disorder, maybe it is an intellectual disability, but they're unable to go to a busy vaccine clinic or maybe come to a health center and get vaccinated. When you're homebound, by definition, you have to have someone come in to give you food, medical care. They may live in multi-generational families where there are people that are working, that are coming in and out, there's kids that are coming in and out. They're at very high risk. I work a full day and then at the end of my day, I'm able to give these extra vaccines to people in our community that are homebound. I vaccinated over 1,600 people, and I've seen about 200 people in the home. Some people are crying when they get the call because they've been waiting so long. I'll reach out to the medical assistant on days off, and if they have extra doses, I'm coming in. So for me, it has been six days a week that I'm doing this, and on the seventh day, when I'm not resting, I'm scheduling the follow-up appointments. But everyone in the city deserves equitable care. And it's what is in the best interest for our patients. It's what's gonna keep our patients safe. And it's what I wanna do every day that I can. Good afternoon, Anna and Elena. Uh, we're gonna do a simulation exercise. Your patient is Mr. A. Uh, he was admitted because of um, 
shortness of breath, couldn't walk uh, more than a few steps. So his wife uh, called 911. He's breathing a little hard uh, between 20, 25. So that's something I'd like to keep an eye on. History of diabetes, heart failure, probably hypertension, but he doesn't know for sure. And a little hyperlipidemia, heart rate, sinus, 80 to around 100. Denies any pain, a little anxious, as you know, for a good reason. Got any questions for me? No. All right. The challenge of not having uh, clinicals uh, is addressed by high fidelity simulation. So a well-developed scenario is provided to the student to achieve specific learning outcomes. Anna, Elena, so you can start interacting with the patient. Okay. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling right now? Not too good. I'm short of breath. I think I need more oxygen, nurse. All right, Anna's gonna just raise it up a little bit for you, okay? Okay. And then do you have any history of any asthma or any respiratory issues? No, I got diabetes. We have built-in cases with specific transitions so that uh, the student will know how to respond should that happen. Ivan, how's that oxygen that we have you on? Is that helping you? I feel more short of breath than before. Okay. It gives the student a sort of a dress rehearsal for what's coming next in, in real life. They may have never taken care of a COVID patient alive, but we could simulate that and have them go through the actual hands-on in a simulated setting with a uh, mannequin uh, where we can recreate an actual clinical scenario so that the student who had experienced that would be able to transfer that knowledge to an actual patient. Dr. Smith, how can I help you? Okay, this is the COVID patient that just came in, right? Yeah. Let's start with 100% under breather. We check the blood pressure uh, frequently, like every uh, 15 minutes or so. And um, I'll order a 12 lead ECG and a chest X-ray and I'll be there to examine him myself. I know you're scared, so we're going to uh, uh, keep checking on you and these two nurses here are doing their very best to uh, give you the right care. So we're checking your blood pressure right now, don't move. Sinus rhythm at 79, so um, that's a great improvement and the blood pressure is 110 over 68. I think you did a splendid job handling his respiratory distress. So um, give yourself a, a pat in the back uh, on the way out. <laughs> Uh, you, you did a great job. And how are you feeling, Mr. A? I feel so much better, thank you. All right, uh, good job, nurses. I'm very thank proud you. of you. Uh, and now we're gonna go to our debriefing. The learning really comes from the debriefing. So when I watch them from behind the one-way mirror, I'm able to pick up uh, certain opportunities for improvement for them. I could say, oh yeah, that was great. I, I like the way you did that. I've always wanted to be a nurse, but seeing what nurses have done during this pandemic and actually being a student just really kind of just changed my perspective. Healthcare is one of those indispensable things in life. You cannot live well without healthcare. And to do healthcare well, you need nurses. You need good, highly qualified, 
nurses who can practice what they went to school for. So we will be needing them because of the current influences that we see in the world. If there is any profession that is rewarding, it's, it's this one for me personally. In every aspect, I just love doing what I do. We got through the worst of it. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and we have a vaccine now that's given us hope. I see my coworkers, like when we work together, like, oh, the numbers are down. Or a patient who's been hospitalized for so long finally got out. Those are our glimmers of hope. Those are things that we hold on to. Moments, those moments. And I tell my friends, like my coworkers, we saw the 1% that were the sickest. It was very emotional for a lot of the nurses, but our community was amazing. Everybody wanted to do something to help. They were more than happy to provide whatever it is that we needed, whether it was PPE, masks, meals, eyewear, other areas of the hospital were giving us their tubing, suture kits, central line kits. Physicians were volunteering to help nurses in the unit to prone our patients, to put central lines in on their own because they wanted to help. Nurses have a phenomenal network. Social sites were huge. Nurses were taking pictures. This is what we do. This is what we're using. A friend of mine is doing this in an institution, and we found this to be more helpful. Okay, let's see if it works. Let's try it out. Let's see if we can get you some of that stuff. Let's do it. We are fighting this. We're trying to keep our patients alive. We're trying to do the best up-to-date, evidence-based care in order to reassure them that, you know, we're going to do the best we can. We're going to do everything we can to get you through this. We overcame strength that we didn't even know we had during this pandemic. We took an oath to say, we're going to put ourselves at risk. We're going to step in the fire to save the next person. It's been plenty of times when I had to pronounce um, my patient as deceased um, and then go ahead and take care of another patient right next door while acting as though nothing happened and also giving that patient all the care um, and that they deserve as well. It takes strength to be able to do that, to put on that smile when inside you're sad or you're tired or you're exhausted. You have to be able to take a moment to yourself, take a couple deep breaths and get right back to it. Just because we are nurses and that's what we do. I'm driving to a patient house who needs the vaccine. It's an older adult who's homebound, and there's no way that they could have gotten their shot without me actually going to their house. So this is gonna allow them to feel safe that they're not gonna get infected by COVID-19, and also it's going to allow their grandchildren to visit. Good to see you both. Uh, you too, oh, Mark. You too. Cat. 
This is gonna be your second shot. Let's be done with this. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so here is the magic shot. Yay! And then what I'll do is, if you wanna move this hand over here, and then okay. just relax, just pretend like it's dead, okay? Okay, and it is. Like, <laughs> it's dead tired. Dead tired, good, perfect. So what I'm gonna do is same as before, and move it over. One, two, three, and we're gonna do that. And that's it. That's it. Great. Thank you so much. How was it? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate everything you've done for me. I had looked for somebody to come here and give me the vaccination because I can't get out. I can't walk. And you call me like the next day. And that's to me what's really bothered me that people that have disabilities have basically too often been ignored. Some of these people are my patients. Now you're my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it takes sometimes nurses to see that mm -hmm. and to step up and say, what can we do to fix the problem? It's been one of the best things that has happened to me, I would say, in the past three years at least, because I didn't think I was going to be able to get a vaccine because every avenue that I went down, I was told, oh, no, we don't do that. So I was just so frustrated right now getting this vaccine home gives me initiative to do what I want to do. And my aim right now is to get moving out of this bed and start walking. I give him a lot of credit for what he's doing. I really do. So to actually see the difference that these shots make, that gives me hope hope that we can actually start to turn the corner, that things are gonna get better because I'm seeing that. And as a nurse, you get to see how people's lives change on a one-to-one -one level. I think we need to do more of what I've been doing, getting out in the communities, going to people's homes. And I believe that this vaccine is our ticket out of the pandemic. So we really have to get as many people vaccinated as possible. After this, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna eat an omelet with my mom. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the end of it. That'll be the end of it. That'll be the end of it for tonight. And then yeah. we're going to start the whole thing over again tomorrow. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Did you work today? Or did you have Yeah, school? I worked a full day actually. 8.30 to 5. And then um, I had the two booster doses after work. From day one, I stepped up and volunteered on the testing front and then enlisted my mom's support as well. She retired from floor nursing back in 1986, I think, or 87. She was an emergency room nurse. And she actually joined the ranks of our volunteer medical reserve corps. And so we've actually been doing COVID vaccinations together and it's been great to work with my mom. It's not a job, it's a vocation, it's a lifetime. You treat every patient as if that person was your family member and anything else that you're required to do, you will do. When something is right, we stand up for our patients. We say what's wrong. It's so much in our DNA that we would have it no other way but to step up for our patients and fight and say, this is what they need and I'm gonna help provide that for them. And that is the essence of nurses to me. You know, I don't consider myself a hero. Uh, I served in the U.S. Navy Nurse Corps during the Vietnam era. 
and all we were doing was our job, what we were called to do. However, experiencing the empathetic nursing care that was rendered to my mother in her last days, I would definitely say that those nurses are heroes. They made a difference in caring for my family. And we're eternally grateful. What I am is a husband and a father, and I have a job that I do. And I go in every day to do it the best that I can. That's what I do. I don't consider that to be a hero. Uh, I'm just trying to, to do my job the best that I can. It fills my heart when you saw the nurses leaving after shift and people were, were, were clapping. I mean, it makes me really teary um, because they so deserve it. The nursing profession has been voted the most trusted of all professions for the last 20 years, according to the Gallup poll. So the public knows the worth of the profession. What the pandemic has done is given us that opportunity for the world to show our gratitude to people who've dedicated their lives behind closed doors, doing extraordinary things under most extraordinary circumstances. Think about the seven o'clock clapping, right? The spontaneous burst of noise-making, the merry-making that went on all over the world. I could probably cry. Think of all the kindness that was extended to nurses and the support we got, even if we couldn't come out of the units, which was pretty much all the time, even if they could just wave from the unit, you know, through the window. Oh, it's just so humbling when I still see signs around, like, you know, heroes, and I don't consider myself one, but I think maybe possibly we are, because we were fighting a war. We have fought wars before. And those that fight battles are heroes, right? I think everyone has the capacity of being heroic. I think what we've seen this past year is that there are so many heroes among us and any number of actions are heroic. In so many ways, getting up each morning and continuing to do what you need to do, whether that's going to work, whether it's going to school, whether it's supporting your kids while they go to school, whether it's keeping food on the table or your business open, I think all of that is heroic. A hero is someone that puts someone else's needs before their own consistently, and nurses fit that mold. When there's a fire, sometimes people run away from it, but then you have people that actually run toward it, and the people that are running toward it, those are nurses. And unfortunately, some have paid the ultimate sacrifice. To the people that have lost loved ones, my heart goes out to you. I think it has been the privilege of my career to work with the people that I work with each day. And I think there is no way any of us would have made it to this point without each other. And, you know, for me personally, seeing the sacrifices that were made, and I work with so many brilliant and committed and passionate and tireless and resilient people. That's what keeps me going. And I'm so grateful for everything that they've done to support the city and to be able to work alongside them.
Do I think COVID-19 has changed nursing forever? The quickest answer is yes, it has. But the foundations of nursing remains the same. Caring, empathy, patient safety, those are all things we knew before COVID. Now, we know the importance of certain things that we do in healthcare more than ever, and that is infection control. I very much think of nurses as being the heart of healthcare, and I think, you know, in the context of my job and what that looks like is being the heart of public health. Nurses are the heart and soul of the healthcare community. Our role in the pandemic was integral in keeping the community informed, in keeping our families safe, in healing our patients, giving them information that they needed to get better as we were learning about the virus along the way. You can't just barge into a crisis situation with just pure heart. So I'd like to say we are the heart and the brain of healthcare. It draws people who are interested in providing that compassionate care, who have an interest in the science and the clinical importance of identifying different illnesses, but then also working with the patient where they are to provide education and support and understanding what other factors might be contributing to someone's overall health and well-being. We need good people in nursing. We need people that care about others, and we need people that are going to be there for patients. And if that means that it's not my exact job description, if it's not something that is gonna necessarily fit between the hours of a working day, I'm gonna go ahead and do that because that is what nurses do. You do it because you know it's good for the patient. I'm hopeful that one thing that will come out of COVID is an increased interest in and support of public health. And I encourage nurses to be a part of that because I think nurses are an essential part of that conversation and want to see more nurses at the public health table. I love teaching new nurses. I love having a nursing student because I want them to love the profession as much as I do. I want them to see the great rewards like I do. I want them to feel fulfilled in their role because I don't think they realize how much of an impact nurses can have and do have on a daily basis. A lot of our nurses are really battling a lot with what they've seen. You're not alone. You can rely on your community to help you. Your community is there for you. You're doing a great job. Keep your head up, keep doing it. You're making a difference and there are good things ahead. The pandemic has shown that nurses, doctors, social workers, respiratory therapists can work beautifully together. I would love to see it sustained that way. I'm proud of us as a health department. I'm proud of us as a city. I'm proud of us as a community for being able to do that for one another. I'm really hopeful that because of the work that so many nurses are doing, that things are going to get better and we're going to be able to open up and get as much back to normal as possible. I feel like we're still battling. We're still dealing with it. and. Uh... You know, we hope to do well for our profession, for our patients, and make an impact moving forward. If people think that nurses are heroes, and we are heroes, but we must also think of the burden that's attached to that. How do you live up to it every day? And we have a responsibility to live up to that expectation, can I do it? Will I be able to do it? I'd like to think I can. Thank you for listening. 
To all frontline workers, we extend our profound respect and gratitude. To watch American Nurse Heroes, please visit myamericannurse.com or americannurseheroes.com.